Hi, this is Pastor Wilson. Thank you so much for joining our podcast, Renew Church OC, where we pre- present different sermon series that I hope will enrich your life. The next six weeks, we'll be going through our series, Unstuck, where we go through six stages of spiritual development and how we can progress from one stage to another while appreciating each stage that we're in. I hope it helps you on your spiritual journey as you get a landscape of where God is taking you now and where he's taking you in the years to come. God bless. All right. Thanks, everyone, for sharing. We have uh, more time after the sermon for you to continue to share. So we're really grateful for how you participated. Really quickly, Matt and Deanna will be outside with a table for information. Uh, If you're interested in signing up to this camp, if you're interested in helping provide funding for it to run, please talk to them. And there's a few ways to get involved. You can also just go for one day, a part of everyone's birthday, or you could be a counselor for a whole week. So please talk to them. And also, don't be going around our small groups as well. They've graciously um, is available to visit all of our small groups, every family, young adult, the youth group as well. So they'll be doing an in-depth presentation there, answering any questions, and again, inviting you to participate. When I think about the second question, what makes me feel like a kid again, um, I think about Liam and Levi. So that's the next photo. This is him about the age of when he went to Prep UK. And um, he's putting on his brave face. And I was walking him down the sidewalk. We saw this huge gate. All the kids are towering over him. And I was like, I feel so anxious, you know? My palms are getting sweaty. I have butterflies in my stomach. And I realized I'm reliving being in elementary school. And it was terrible. So um, most of my elementary school days, I'd be at lunch, walking to playground, and I'm just totally alone. I'd go to one group after another, volleyball, tetherball. Hey, can I play? And they would say no. I'd walk to the next station, and then just sit by myself in the corner. And then on the bad days, they would round, uh, kind of gather together, chase me around, and push, and push me till I fell and cried, and then the game would be over. So I'm sending Liam into school for the first time. And I'm like, all right, put on your brave face, put on your protective eyewear, <laughs> and I'll pick up your remains at 2.30. <laughs> We're probably going to a pool in that picture. So Jesus, he goes back to his hometown as well. And I think there's a part of him entering in where he feels like a kid again. And they're probably thinking, they're probably reverting back to some of the ways that they used to interact. So in verse 14 in the passage of Luke, we're starting Luke, uh, continuing Luke, we closed out the temptations of Jesus. And he's just starting his ministry. We did that gap in um, critical stage theory. So he's just starting his ministry, and it says, Jesus returned to Galilee full um, in the power of the Spirit after baptism. And the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. So he's starting to build a reputation as a teacher, a rabbi, as a healer. And then he goes to Nazareth, the place he grew up, where he was brought up on the Sabbath day, and he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. So as he's building a reputation as a rabbi and a healer, he walks back kind of to his home church, right, to the place where everyone saw him grow up, and he's invited to preach. Imagine, 
like one of our youth one day growing up and preaching on the stage. Or imagine Levi becoming a, a young adult and preaching a sermon for the first time. It's like, oh, that's cute, but you know, 20 years ago we saw you running around naked in the patio. So it's hard to respect, respect that. And I think there's some of Jesus where they remember him growing up. They remember him peeing on that tree. They remember him playing tag in that field. And so as they're listening to him teach, there's also this other concept of hometown Jesus. Okay, so he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. He began by saying today to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So this is a bold claim, the way he drops that last line. He's basically saying that he's the Messiah, he's the Savior, he's the hero of Israel. This hometown kid that they watch grow up, the kid that they chased around in the playground, is, is proclaiming to be the Messiah. We're going to stop and look at the last passage again, because here in the book of Luke, he's setting the table for the kind of ministry he'll be doing for the next two years. He's giving his mission statement. So first he says that he's come to proclaim good news to the poor. And the idea of being poor um, in that time wasn't just financial poverty, but it encompassed social, moral, and physical poverty. It's speaking about the people with leprosy who are ostracized and thrown into a village, cut off from their family and friends, quarantined in in loneliness. It's speaking about Matthew, the tax collector, who who was socially and morally impoverished. He turned against the people of Israel, and he was cut off from his family and friends. But I also think about the way that Jesus reaches not only Matthew, not only the lepers to heal him, But he reaches us now who feel impoverished. He reached Everett, who was caught in a dorm room in the middle of COVID, alone, going through panic attacks, and pulling him out into a community that cared and loved him. I think about how he pulled Alex out of the hospital when she was temporarily paralyzed. These are people we got to hear from and baptize last last Sunday. That he's still reaching out to us who feel poor, socially, morally, and physically. And secondly, that he's come to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. And this idea of being a prisoner isn't just physical in a jail cell, but it's also emotional and spiritual um, imprisonment. So in the, right, even before we hit chapter 6, we see Jesus freeing people from demons. And this is a way in which he was freeing those who felt imprisoned in, uh, in demonic influence and oppression. I think about Alex who went to um, the psych unit because of her attempt and the darkness that resided there and the way that God pulled her out of the prison of, pris- prison of despair. Um, I think about Arlene who was imprisoned in abusive relationships. She shared about paranoia and hurt and how God brought her out of that to find him. That no, not only is he proclaiming 
freedom to prisoners in his day, he's doing it today as well. It says that he has given sight to the blind. And again, it's not just physical blindness, even though he helped people heal from not being able to see from vision impairment, but mostly he's coming to illuminate our eyes and to open us, awaken us to a new reality. Think about Acts chapter 26, 17 to 18 as he's commissioning Paul. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they might receive forgiveness for sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And so Peter, again, one of my favorite stories, he's at a coffee shop. Uh, he's going through a season where he's thinking through suicide and, and there's this darkness and heaviness in his body. And as he's serving coffee, a young lady from Biola says, Jesus loves you. And it just feels like a cliche to us. But for him, his eyes were open. His heart was um, exploding. And he, he saw in that moment a God who truly loved him. And he went to look for him on Google and found us at Renew. And it's amazing to see those moments where God restores sight to the blind. And lastly, we think about those who are oppressed. In the original language, it's being shattered and broken. And I think about Catherine um, having her heart broken from one man to another and then having it mended by the Lord. And then he does that in his day with the Samaritan woman, with others who felt left alone and ostracized. He brings to himself over and over again. He's setting the stage for all the people he'll interact with in the book of Luke. Now, for me, I, I got to saw, see this at Royal Family Kids Camp. So I remember pulling uh, up into the blacktop and all these kids pulling in on the bus. And when they were coming out of the bus, we did that little, like, train thing, you know, where you put your hands up and someone put their hands up here and they run through the tunnel. And all these kids were super happy. Some of them have come for multiple years. So they're cheering, they're giving high fives, they're skipping, and they're excited to go swimming and do archery and, you know, paint nails and stuff like that. So everyone's really excited, and I'm feeling nervous, right? I have my sign up for um, my, my kid. His, his name starts with Z. And I'm like, man, I hope I get one of these really happy kids. But then one, a kid walks out of the bus, and he just looks pissed. He looks so pissed. Everyone, all, everyone looks happy, but he looks so mad. And he walks like a little gangster, you know. He has that strut, and he has an earring. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm praying for your counselor. May the Lord be with him. May he give him peace. May he give him patience. And Z walks straight up to me. I was like, I just prayed for myself. <laughs> Not done that without knowing it. It's amazing. And so um, I, I show him the sign. He didn't want it, you know. And then... We walked out, and the whole time that day, he just had this really flat affect. Like, he was just, like, straight-line face, you know, for, for 12 hours. But I just remember um, the director telling me before Z came off the bus, she said, he has been moved seven times in one year. Can you imagine going to seven different places and trying to call it home? And so, of course, he's going to have his defensive up. up. Of course, he he's not going to feel safe. And so over that next day, we spent time eating. I won his trust with snacks. <laughs> I won his trust with him wanting to talk to his brother and sit with him. And I got permission for that. And then I just see him start to slowly open up. And then the next day, we went swimming together. And, um, 
and he, he doesn't know how to swim. So he's watching all these kids pass swim tests, and he just doesn't even want to take it. Then he looks up at me, and he says, um, I wish I could learn to swim. And I looked down at him, and I said, I will teach you. But I've never taught anybody <laughs> how to swim. And so we're in the swimming pool, and, you know, kick like this. Turn your arms like that, you know, right? That's how you swim. And so he's, he's going as hard as he can, and then he starts kicking off. He gets further and further down the pool before he has to stand up. And then he gets all the way across. And then we learn how to, like, change our breath in the middle, right? And so finally, in the next day, we're like, maybe you're ready for the swim test. And so I asked the lifeguard. She stops the whole pool in the middle of pool time. And the kids line up one on one side, um, all the rest of the kids on the other, and they make this alley, right? And, Z and Z kicks off the, the side of the pool, and he swims as hard as he can. He's splashing water everywhere. I'm running next to him. And everyone's cheering, right? But I'm cheering the loudest. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. And he makes it from one side to other. And we give each other a big hug, and we're celebrating. And he's like, you taught me how to swim. I'm like, man, if Jesus could get Peter walk on water, you know? <laughs> and then I remember the last day of the swimming pool, I see Z swimming into the deep end, right? And we hang out there a lot. But then I was doing some laps. But I keep noticing him going to the deep end to pull out pool toys. There's only, like, one bucket of it. And he has, like, half the bucket in his hands. I was like, what is he doing with, like, hoarding pool toys, you know? And, um, and then he makes his way on the side of the, the pool over to the shadow end. And then I see him walking to all the little kiddos. He's one of the big ones. So all the four- and five-year-olds are huddled in a corner, just scared and, and cold, right, shivering. And uh, he gets to them, and he starts offering them pool toys. And they're, like, cheering for him. He's like, he's like pool Robin Hood, right? He's like, you get a pool toy, you get a pool toy, you get a pool toy. And he'll be like, what's my name? And they're like, Z, good job, you get a pool toy. And he's just, like, being super generous and taking care of these little kids and risking his life to get pool toys for them. Um, over that time, I saw Jesus enter into Z's life again and again, freeing him opening his eyes, mending him back together. Some of it was like singing Good, Good Father and knowing that he couldn't talk to his dad, so he was going to, to God. Some of it was the girl counselors that he had crushes on, giving him hugs, you know? Some of it was hearing a Bible story and for the first time praying and asking God to be his shepherd. And it was in this space that... that Jesus' ministry, just like it continued in the life of so many people at our church, it continued so evidently at this camp. It was like the most beautiful church I've ever seen. Foster and parents, uncles, older brothers and sisters, fully diverse, all coming together as one family for his mission. I remember at the end of camp, I told him, hey, Z, the way I care about you um, I just want you to know, like, Jesus cares about you so much more. And I'm not sure if I'm going to be with you after this. We're, we're supposed to say bye. We have a, a club afterward, but we don't know if, like, we'll be able to, they'll be able to do it and if we can come. 
Um, so we just prayed together. And I just told him, like, Jesus wants to be everything I was to you and more. He wants to lean in when you whisper your requests. He wants to be there teaching you how to swim. He wants to make sure you have enough to eat. But I'm really thankful that after uh, this camp, we both got to do club together. And then from a group home, he moved into a foster home in Mission Viejo, which was a little too far for camp. But I got connected to his foster mom. So on the next slide, we're not able to stream this, but on the next slide um, is our family. And we've just been able to hang out with Z and his brother uh, maybe a dozen times at the beach doing bonfire. Sometimes I'll hang out with them in Mission Viejo walking up here. Other times they've come over to swim, and we did a big uh, birthday party for Z. We made Korean barbecue in our patio, and then he didn't eat much. His brother was like, what the heck? This is amazing. But then when we got to the cake, he ate half the cake. <laughs> it was like the most, I thought he was going to vomit, but he didn't. It was amazing. And he's been to Renew a few times as well. Um, in the next slide, we're continuing in the book of Luke. And as Jesus is speaking about his mission, what he's to do, what he's called into, we see how people start turning on him. All spoke well of him and was amazed at the gracious words <coughs> that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they ask. Now, in the Luke passage, we have an um, a elongated version of that conversation. And, and it's more obvious the turn that they take in feeling um, angry with him. So when Sabbath came, he began to teach in a synagogue. Many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. Where's this wisdom that has been given to him? What's this wisdom that has been given to him? That he even does miracles. Now, here's the turn. Isn't this the carpenter, right? Isn't, didn't we grow up with him? Didn't we see him make tables? They're taking him down a peg. I don't know if you've ever met someone from your hometown who kind of made it or you feel that way. And when you go back to that old school, um, small town feel, you kind of feel like everyone just wants to be equals again. So that's how they feel about Jesus. But then they do a second dig, one that's really brutal. Isn't this Mary's son? Now, in Jewish culture, everyone's related to their father. It should be, isn't this Joseph's son, like it says in the Luke narrative. When they say, isn't this Mary's son, they're, they're insinuating that Jesus is illegitimate. That Mary and Joseph weren't married when he was born. She probably slept with another man. Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't he a an illegitimate child? The brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Um, next slide. I'm going to summarize this a little bit. So Jesus kind of knows what they're saying. And he says, of, of course, you're going to say, physician, heal yourself, right? You don't want to go to a sick doctor. And he's like, he's saying, hey, if you think, if you're saying that if you're a prophet, do some miracles here. Prove to me that uh, you're really a prophet. But then he goes back into these Old Testament prophets, Elijah and Elisha, and points out that no prophet is accepted in their hometown. But even these great Old Testament prophets went out of Israel, out of their hometown uh, for, mere, for their miraculous signs because their hometown saw them as small. At the end of this, in the next slide, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They felt rejected. They 
got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. What a turn of events, right? They're basically trying to murder him. They're trying to out him from the town, run him out. So I think about what happened here. Why is it that Jesus coming to teach in the synagogue was rejected so brutally from his town? And how, in some ways, do we act like his hometown? How, in some ways, can we become too familiar with Jesus or have too small a view of him? In the next slide, uh, I titled this, Jesus, Home Church Familiar Jesus. Like, if you grew up at church, I think there's a part of you that feels like you kind of just get it. You know how to do the church thing. You've heard enough Bible stories. You're familiar enough with Jesus. And it's like you can wrap your arm around this whole thing. You grew up, you grew up knowing about God. And there's this desire to just make Jesus familiar, make Jesus predictable, make him someone that you can just check off a box and say, I'm a good Christian, and I'm kind of done here. Have you felt that way? A little bored of Jesus? He's kind of sterile. You've seen it and heard it all. I think it's because we have home church syndrome, that we want to keep them predictable. We want to run certain parts of our life. And we're offended. We're offended when he asks more of us than we've voluntarily given him. We're offended by Jesus when he wants to be bigger, when he wants to be judge, when he wants to speak uh, uh, ethics that we don't agree with, when he wants to point out something that we're not willing to let go of. And those parts of Jesus... It's easy to just run them out of our hearts, run them out of our minds. No, I've already placed you right here. Stay in this sweet spot. I think for me, um, I feel this way in where I am in life right now. I think when I was younger, I really opened my life to the Lord and said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. You know, uh, my life is fully yours. And I feel called to this church. I am humbled by its growth. And it's easy for me to see myself ending my career here. That's what I want. Like the next three decades, it's so clear to me, you know, being able to hold some of your kids who aren't even married yet, being able to see some of your grandkids, being able to pastor them. I have a house. I bought it in 2018 for 50% off. Um, What else? I have three kids. They're happy here. We have a lot of friends. So there's this lane that I'm like, Jesus, I will follow you, but here's the lane. Renew for 30 years, living in this home with three kids, no cancer, no, no death to my child. Everyone's healthy and happy. I will serve you here. And it's so hard for me to open up my life like I did when I was younger. It's so hard for me to open up my life and say, God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you're requiring of me, I will give that up. Because in some ways, I feel like I've made Jesus a little small. So last slide, how do we get Jesus out of our home church? Um, One of my simple recommendations is just to read Revelations. Man, there's another Jesus in the Bible. (coughs) He's really big. (laughs) Some of you guys journeyed with me. We're on uh, Good Friday, and I'm watching Pontius Pilate accuse Jesus on the painting and reading the text. I'm like, oh, man, when Jesus is sitting on the great white throne 
and he's one of like eight billion little specks, and he looks up, he's gonna be like, I'm totally screwed. You know, like, what was I doing accusing Jesus? Or the soldiers that put a crown of thorns on his head and taunted him as king. And then Jesus comes back to reign again, pulling a sword out of his mouth with the host of angels and saints and then dropping his city on Jerusalem. It's like, man, they're going to feel dumb. So anyways, Revelations has another Jesus I want you guys to read. Listening to other people's stories. And then getting out of your comfort zone because there's so much of Jesus to be had. There's so many adventures outside of this room. Um, I was a youth pastor like Irwin. I remember one of the youth girls sat down with me while we were in small group and just kind of whispered, hey, can you like hang out with me after the small group because I have to confess a sin. I was like, okay. So we finish up small group and then we sit right outside the door. I was like, okay, what'd you do? It's like Taylor, right? She said, my mom told me to go sleep. But instead, I pulled a blanket over my head. I turned on the flashlight, and I finished my homework. <laughs> and I told her, you're going straight to hell. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think in that moment, I realized, man, I'm pastoring like the most hardcore Asian suburban church. <laughs> you know, where like these kids are repenting because they got... A B, right? A is acceptable. B is, like, not loved by your family. Um, and, and I was like, God, is there so, isn't there more to you and, and more from you for them than them just doing, like, church right, than them just doing Bible study right? And so we started going out. We went to Skid Row, and we did uh, served at the soup kitchen for a year. And after that, we were invited upstairs to the third floor, and we just hung out with all these kids without a home. It was a zoo. It was a complete zoo. They would just send them in, and the workers would just leave. And we would, just have, we would hang out for, like, two hours and go home, like, all battered and stuff. Um, and then we did a group home, a Maryville group home, and we went in, much better organized. We did Bible studies. We played games. And these youth kids growing up trying to get perfect SAT scores – um, saw how, how much darkness there is, but also how following Jesus means that you're stepping into that darkness with him to be light. Because sometimes Jesus led his disciples to church, to the synagogues, but there are times when they're following him, they're at a gravesite with the demon-possessed guy. Sometimes they're following him into the house of a tax collector, um, into a drunken party, into places, into the leopard's village. Have we stopped following Jesus when it feels uncomfortable or unsafe or unfamiliar and made him small because of the boundaries we've put up? There's so much of Jesus to be had there. <clears throat> when, I, um, when I was watching the buses roll in, I reverted back to Kid Wilson, and I was like, <laughs> I'm like pretty tall, right? And I'm like 30-something years old when I was there, but I was like, man, are these kids going to beat me up, you know? Have you ever reverted back, and you feel like a kid even though you're like a full-on adult? I'm like, I hope they don't reject me. I hope I'm not eating by myself again at camp, you know? I hope they don't circle me and push me around. 
And it's in that space of, of this camp that not only Zach uh, found redemption in the Lord, but like Kid Wilson um, got to play, got to make friends, and got to find Jesus at this camp too. I got to be a part of the drama, which basically means you're on TV for these kids. They think you're like superstars. And I was a wolf. And um, I would lure, try to lure the sheep out, other, other actors, and eat them. And then <laughs> I ended up just kind of like pretending, uh, staying in character for the whole camp. So kids would walk around with their stuffies. I'm like, that looks really tasty. And uh, other kids would be like, hey, we're part of your wolf gang. You know, who should we hunt? So I just had this whole, like, bad boy image at camp. And then uh, they did a hayride where uh, they would go down this, like, this, like, foresty area. And I would jump out in my wolf suit, like, not scary farm, and bang on the thing. And then at the, at the uh, talent show, these girls, they were like, hey, we're doing Beauty and the Beast. Can you dress up and, and like... You could look sad, and then we'll invite you in, and then you could dance with us. So I did that with them. And there was this whole part of me that wasn't healed through a sermon, wasn't healed at a retreat. It wasn't healed in prayer. It was healed following Jesus somewhere else. And the same healing I got to participate in was the same space that he reached out and touched me and healed me as well. God became so big to me at camp and reached so deeply into my life. I hope that if you're feeling a little bored at church, if Jesus is feeling a little too familiar, if he's getting small to you, would you go beyond these walls and come to camp with us or go serve um, with Ronnie in her organization at Orangewood or find a place in the city where Jesus is holding people's hands, and you get to do the same. God, thank you so much for this church. And we pray and thank you for moments where we get to gather here and hear from your word and worship. But also we thank you for moments where we get to gather together and move outside of this space, where we get to uh, give you water and hold your hand, and visit you, where we get to find Jesus in the places that are most dark and marginalized. What an invitation to not just um, see Joanna holding strings and kind of getting a concept of what it means to be uh, in foster care, but to show up at a camp where we get to fall in love uh, with with faces and stories and souls, where we get to uh, give these kids side hugs and go swimming and do archery and have them become a part of how we live out our Christian life week in and week out. I pray that over our church. I, I know we are called to different things, but would we find you um, in bigger ways, healing um, the blind, bringing freedom to the captive, and opening eyes. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really grateful that you'd spend time listening to the sermon series. And we also wanted to point you to a few other resources. My wife and I wrote a children's book collection, Helping Kids 
bridge their faith with God's calling in their life as a businessman, as a doctor or nurse, and as a creative. Secondly, we wrote an adulting journal, which helps young adults think through this transition into adulthood, whether it's transitions in friendship, family, faith, or calling. And lastly, I want to point to a podcast that myself and another church member, Roy Kim, who's a therapist, co-host together. It's called The Same Boat. We talk about relationships. We just finished um, a series on dating. We think back to an English ministry church, and we just tackle all kinds of topics that are relevant to our life. I hope that uh, those resources enrich your life as well. And lastly, if you're looking to partner with us on our website, we have a give section. You could give to our general fund and continue to serve our church through um, through partnering with us financially. But if you scroll down, we have quite a few local missionaries that have called Renew Home. If you read their bio, there's also a section to give to each one of our local missionaries. We hope that all of them would be fully funded going into this year. God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us and uh, hope to hear, hope to uh, have you join us again.